0: Brethren and sistren, how we doing? Hey, look at this picture. I don't know what it is. My son down there takes pictures of me, and and they're the dumbest looking photographs. I mean, I'm not that that photo-whatever-they-say-that-anyway. You know what I'm saying, photogenic? You know, I'm more photogeneric, okay? But uh, they always get me in the weirdest poses, and this this happened to be one. We were doing a uh, uh, question-and-answer session, and I thought it was... uh, Rather humorous, because you get all kind of questions, man, you know, just crazy stuff. And I'm thinking, has anybody ever read their Bible? Because that's important, we need to read our Bible. But I am honored to be here today and and have the opportunity to kick off the month for vision. And we're going to talk about uh, vision today, but more or less, one of the areas that uh, the Lord uses me in is explaining to people not only vision, but the word provision, okay? Because every vision in order to be accomplished, has to have a provision behind it. And uh, I I love to study the word because I I love to do word studies in Hebrew and Greek, both. And I wanted to find out where the first time that uh, the Lord uh, used the word behold. Because it seems from the beginning of recorded history that we have when God decided to let himself be known to us, through the writings of Moses in the Pentateuch, the five, first five book of the Old Testament, that there were several times in there that you'll find words in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, in its you know, simplicity, is the book of beginnings. If you want to know how things God planned things to be, we look in the first two chapters of Genesis concerning man. Because in, in chapter 1, verse 26, if you've been here any length of time and involved with Anchor Faith, you'll know that it, uh, the 26th chapter really defines what man's purpose on the planet was. It said that God said, let us make man in our image. And then what he wanted to do, and let's give him dominion over all the earth, everything. The sea, the, the air, the land, everything he was to have dominion over. And that was God's original plan. But I thought it was interesting because it seems like God has a desire to show people things and let them see things. Because, see, there is a difference between sight and vision. And I heard a quote one time uh, with Helen Keller. Somebody had asked her and said, uh, uh, you know, to be born, is there anything worse than being born deaf and blind? And she said, yeah. She said, the worst thing is to be blind with no vision. And to be able to see with no vision. Because there's something that can be seen that sometimes we don't have to see it with our natural eyes. But God wants us to be able to see things with our natural eyes. He has that desire to show us things. And I thought it was interesting, uh, if you guys will put up there, the very first place that we see God saying, behold, in other words, I've got something to show you. I want you to see this is in Genesis chapter 1 Verse 29, look at this. And God said, See, I have given you every herb of this, that yields seeds, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be food. The word see there is the word behold in the King James, and he wants them to see something. The very first thing he wanted to let them know is, I have provided for you. That was the first place mentioned. I have provided for you. In other words, there's going to be something that you're going to need, and I want you to see what I've provided. Now, you go into the second chapter, and he tells them in there, he said, Listen, you can eat of every tree, pecans included. Okay? You can eat of every tree in this garden, but there's one tree that was in the middle of the garden that I don't want you to eat it. The day you eat it, you will surely die. But he tells them, Look, pay attention, look, behold, I have given you all of this. It seems like all through Scripture, and I have several here, that I thought that, that God was has always been trying to show us something. Now look at verse 31, same chapter. This was interesting because it said, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And it says, so the evening and the morning were the sixth day. This is before his day of rest. It's the sixth day. He had just made... Man, and in the second chapter we see the details of how he did that. He, you know, you know, made a clay puppet or something, you know, out of the dirt, and then turn, you know, said breathe into it the breath of life. But in here it said God saw that he had made, it. And, and, and and indeed, and it said, behold, in the King James, behold, it was very good. I heard uh, a, a Hebrew teacher the other day talking about. It. I thought this was interesting because every time God made something, we've all heard he said, and it was good, right? Well, it's not the word in the in the Hebrew is the word tobe, T-O-W-E-B, in the Hebrew. And it means not just good as it, oh, it looks good. Oh, that's okay. That's good. That's good. No, what that word means, and let me give you a definition. I thought this was so interesting because it says it is the fit of the purpose and the reason he created it. In other words, he designed those things, those days, those different things during the days, he designed it with a purpose and a reason and a fit. And when he looked at it, he said, that fits. That's the purpose. You know, when I when I have an opportunity to talk to people, I want to let them know you were born for a purpose. We have a thing we, we call in, in St. Augustine called the harvest uh, fit. Isn't it fit for harvest or harvest fit, something like that? But what they, what they got us to do is walk in, okay? And we walked the mall. If you've been to our church, you know that, that we're in a mall, and we walk the mall, and then those that are really fit, yeah, <laughs> that run around the outside of the mall in 100-degree heat. And I said, you know, and they, put, they asked me a question. They said, what, is, uh, what are your goals? <laughs> I, my, one of my goals is to make it around the mall one time, that's it. And every time, you know, like, and, and they come out and they take pictures of everybody, you know, doing their thing. Well, every time they come to me, I'm laying on a bench somewhere. They'll take a picture of me on my bench. But on my card, I put down there, they said, what do you want to do? Well, I want to do, you know, I want to be able to do six laps, which is a mile. And, and you know, my wife says, you can do it. And and, and it's easy for people to tell you what they c- you can do when they don't live in your body. They look at you. And they think, you could do that. And you're thinking, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> okay, we're going to give it our best shot. But on my card, I put on there that I wanted to get the security guard of the mall born again. That was one of my goals. Now, I don't know how, what that had to do with being fit, but hey, anyway. Because every time we start walking, he's out on a bench with his cell phone, bag of chips, and a Coke. And, and I just started a conversation, you know, with him. And and uh, I wanted to be able to, you know, say, it, and, and, and it was it was pretty interesting because through the different visits, and we do it every Monday, I mean every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And, of course, he's there on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. And so one night I was walking down the hall, and he couldn't see anything, and I go, Alan, this is the Lord. <laughs> he's looking around. I come around the corner, you know, and, and I'm messing with him and, and, and talking to him. He's a young fella. And uh, But it was interesting because I got to share my testimony a little bit about, you know, how the Lord raised me up and how the doctors at the Mayo Clinic had given up on me and, and, you know, one thing led to another. And he goes, man, it sounds like you have a purpose for being here. And I said, you know what? You're right. And I said, but I'm going to tell you something greater than that. You have a purpose for being here. You weren't born by accident. God had a plan when you showed up. The thing is, we got to get you set into understanding and finding out what is that plan. You know, and I, and I, and I, I love to visit with parents that, uh, you know, have got young people in high school and, and uh, you know, thinking about college and different things. And, and again, you know, in, in the school system, they want us to take aptitude tests, right? You know, and they want to find out, you know, what would you be good at? And, and, and In other words, they're trying to start you on a career you know, of what they think you might be good at. And I took those tests in high school. They said I'd be a good forest ranger. (laughs) There is nothing in me whatsoever that even thought about being in the forest. I mean, it was incredible. I thought, what in the world did I put on that test? It would make them think I'd be a great forest ranger. You know, give me a break. And, And, but I just, you know, over the years, I've... I've learned to to see this and have a desire that the vision that young people should have for their life shouldn't be what we tell them they need to be. They need a vision of what God created them to be. Does that make sense? Is that we need to tell our kids and teach them to start seeking God so they can find out why they're here. You know, because I had great aspiration for both of my boys. And and, and, and you know, as far as because uh, all I ever wanted to be when I grew up was a, an artist. That's all I wanted to be, man. I went to, uh, you know, all through elementary school, all through junior high, all through high school. I was involved in anything that had anything to do with art. Then I found out you could make money doing art. That got my attention. So, you know, I decided that I was going to be a commercial artist in Tulsa University. and And I went for a semester and a half, got freaked out, and ran off. Then finish. Decided, you know, I heard this voice. I thought it was my. I thought it was the Lord, but it really wasn't. It was my dad. He said, "You need to get a job." I said, "That might be good advice." You know, I went and got a job, and, and uh, uh, fortunately, the Lord let me get a job in the career that you know I now have a, a corporation in in Oklahoma that uh, still doing after 30 years. Same thing. Love it as as I loved it then, and uh, it just basically is a hub of what the Lord said, here's your purpose, you know. And he said, one, I need you to make money for the gospel. I I finally figured it out after all these years. You know, and and one thing I told my wife, there were two things that I I told her when we got married. I said, honey, if you ever decide to stay home with the kids, I'll do whatever's necessary that you wouldn't have to work outside the home. I promised her that. Because she was a career woman. I knew I wouldn't have to live up to it. Until six weeks later. There's Josh, you know. Six, what was it, six weeks? Is it six weeks maternity? What, a six weeks maternity? And she breaks the news to me, I think I want to stay home with him. I said, you don't even know him. <laughs> this kid, boy, oh, boy. And I told her, and I said, I'll do whatever's necessary. If I said, I need to go, you know, collect cans on the highway. Whatever you need me, to, I'm going to do it. And, and, and to this day, she's never worked outside the home and raised two boys. And uh, the second promise that I made was if either of my boys decided to go into the ministry, which I was more concerned about them getting saved, really, than going into the ministry. And uh, wouldn't you know, they both did. But what I promised her was this, that if my two boys decided to go, either boy, I didn't know both of them would, I seriously didn't. I said, if either one of them, they would never have to beg for a dime. That the Lord was going to bless us so much that we'd be able to take care of them. Now, don't leave, this is a good part. Okay, all right. And the Lord told us, you know, he said he'd bless us so that we could. Why? Because they both got a hold of a vision. And there was going to need, in in, in order for them to be able to fulfill that vision, there was going to have to be a provision made. I remember Joshua, you know, when he was uh, uh, 18 years old and decided that he wanted to move away from home. I told his mother, he'll die. I said, he'll never make it. I said, go look at his room. We'll find him six months later dead underneath a pile of clothes and junk. We'll never find him. Sure enough, you know, it was amazing. And the Lord told me, the Lord talked to me because there had been, there had been, you know, he wasn't going the direction that I thought he was supposed to go. And he said, I, I feel like I'm called to the ministry and I'm going to go down and serve under Pastor Earl. I said, you are, are you? I said, well, there's a few things we need to talk about. Number one, you're not the first guy in line. He has several associate ministers that are, you know, right behind him, and every one of them are going to need a salary. So what are you going to do? And then somebody says, well, that's what I want to talk to you about. All of a sudden, your words come back. And the Lord reminded me, you remember what you said? Yeah, I remember that now. And so we sent him down there and started underwriting him, you know, for the ministry. He got to work full time in the ministry for three years. The first three years he was there, he worked full time. The Lord told me, he said, listen, you've taken him as far as you can take him. I said, you've got to be good, and I'm a great dad. What in the world? He said, no, you're going to have to turn him over to another man if he's going to reach the level that I've got for him in ministry. I'm glad I did. It was hard. Because I remember bawling like a baby when I I took him down there, or he took, or drugged me down there in his jeep, loaded down with everything that he owned, you know, and I mean, just drove straight through to get there. I was like, "Good night," you know. We had a place to stay, everything was going good, and I remember, you know, leaving, and I just, I had to get on a plane, and I just, it just broke my heart. I thought, "It's going to be a long time since when I see him again," because it was eleven hundred eighty-eight miles. Point two, (laughs) to get here, you know, to see him. And I'll never forget, you know, 2006 was an interesting, you know, year for us because March of that year, Melanie has a ruptured aneurysm. Josh is supposed to leave in April. Pastor Earl tells him, he said, don't you even mention a word about it. Let's get your mom healed up. And the Lord did, totally restored her. When she had the stroke and had had the seizure, she lost her eyes and her legs, both. But before they got her to the hospital and, and, and through miracles, and you know, that I don't have time to explain, it's a phenomenal story. But she began to see again, she began to feel again, and, and, and has no uh, any side effects whatsoever of having that stroke. But it was full blown, you know, rupture aneurysm. The Lord just, just took care of it. And uh, she's, she's recovering, and then, you know, Josh is, I know he's wondering. Man, am I even going to get to go? I'm going to get. It. This is March and now April. We said you're going, man. We're not going to impede the will of God. You're going. Well, you know, I thought it was hilarious because she flew down there on Mother's Day and took Junior with her. They both went down so she could have you know Mother's Day with both the boys. And uh, she calls me and she says, "Honey, you're not going to believe this, but his, you know, his duplex. He had a duplex. His duplexes. It's 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 phenomenal." He it said, it's clean, It's everything's put away. And I go, well, what's the big deal? He knew you were coming. <laughs> I said, you know, I would have probably straightened up for my mother too if I knew she's coming. But, I mean, ever since then, he is like, where is my son? You are not the child that we sent down here. I mean, he's like that today. I mean, I couldn't believe it. It just, Lord, just slapped me all around telling me, see, I told you. You know, well, what is it? He had a vision of what he knew the Lord wanted him to do. And regardless of what anybody else had to say about it, he was fixed, I'm going to do this. But he needed that provision. And the Lord blessed us. I'm not kidding. I mean, my faith at that particular time, I'm thinking, man, that's a whole nother salary. And I ain't even getting any production from it as far as in the natural. And so he came down and the Lord blessed us. And, and you know, to this day, we still... So- uh, uh, you know, do a little bit of uh, help with him in, in that, uh, in the finances, based upon the church finances and where they're going and the, and the staff. But, you know, the reason the reason why is that I don't want him concentrating on anything else but the ministry. I don't want him wondering where, you know, he's going to get gas. I don't want him, you know, wondering where he's going what to. What is the understanding we have to have? That I believe this, and I've done a teaching, and I, I've done it in, in St. Augustine, because let's, let's talk for a second about my titles. It was kind of funny. Yesterday, uh, Pastor Mark called me, and, and, you know, all ministers call the guest ministers to check on them and make sure everything's okay. Now, I'm going to let him know there wasn't no Starbucks run today <laughs> here. Okay? And, uh, and he called me, Reverend Randy. I go, well, I'm not going by that anymore. And he started laughing. And he goes, well, what are you, what are you going by? And I said, well, somebody came up with a better title. They call me Revenue. Same starting, R-E-V, period. See, you saw it up there. It just, revenue, Randy. Because that is, that, I found out what my call was. I found out what my purpose was. Because traditionally speaking, in, uh, in our, our circles of churches, that if you can find somebody that can teach the Bible a little bit above average, you can communicate the Word, you know where things are found, and you can do that. Most people say, man, you need to be in the ministry, my whole life, that's all I ever heard. I'm not kidding. I always heard said, men, you need to be in the ministry and i I the church that we came from in Oklahoma, I did. I went into the ministry, I served you know, and it was odd because I said, "You know, Lord, something's weird going on here because we had a meeting with a pastor. He said, "I want you to come on as my next associate. I see, and I feel like the Lord wants you to sell your company and come on first first you know uh, uh first chair, basically, but my associate and the whole bit. And uh, and that's really what I see. And we walked out of there, and I asked Melanie as we were walking down the hall, I said, did the Lord tell you that we were supposed to sell the company? And she goes, I never heard him tell that. I said, that was a surprise to me. And he's telling me almost, thus saith the Lord. And I'm I'm, I'm confused. And, and I said, no, no, I can't. Not under what you just told me, I can't take that position. You know, he had a vision of what it looked like. I couldn't do it. Four months later... We have another meeting because everybody they thought they needed to hire as an associate didn't show up. And, I, and the Lord told me, he said, you're going to be the next associate. And I told the Lord, no, I'm not. <laughs> he goes, no, you're going to be the next associate, and this is what you're going to say in the meeting that's coming up. Okay. You know, well, of course, I get the title, pastor. I got the job. I mean, you know, I was part-time, still working my business, went in there one day a week, got everything done, not a problem, I, you know. One thing that I can do is I can administrate, delegate, and let's get it done. That's the goal. Let's get it done. And so I served as an associate pastor there for nine years. And, and, and I told the Lord, I said, something still just doesn't feel right. And he reminded me, he said, what have you loved your whole life? I said, Lord, all I ever wanted to be is an artist, but I don't know how in the world that could bring glory to God. I mean, yeah, I guess I could draw some nice pictures of you and Mary or something. I mean, they got them all over the world. You know, I said, how's that going to be any glory to you? Where's the vision in that? And so, you know, I just kept struggling. You know, I had the business, you know, and and uh, stepped down from the ministry there and trained people to take my place and didn't know what was, you know, getting ready to happen. In 2008, we came down to St. Augustine. I served on the board from the very beginning at Anchor Faith, and we had an anniversary service. And the Lord says, I need you down here. And I'll never forget, there was a board meeting going on, and I was sitting there, and the Lord told me, he said, look at every, every person in this meeting. And I said, okay. And I'm standing up because there ain't no room to sit down. It's a little bitty place. And I'm standing around looking at everybody, and I said, Lord, what, what, are you, what are you trying to show me? It's like this is a behold, serious. He said, I want you to look around at every person here. And I said, "I did." He says, he said, there's not anybody in here really that understands the kind of money that it is going to take to see this vision come to pass. Okay, next thing you know, he starts talking to me about moving. I say, "I'm looking around. I thought he's talking to somebody else. You're not talking to me. I'm 48 years old, man. Been in business 30 years. I got a nice house. I got everything going on. Serving my church. I'm doing anything. You're not talking to me." And then you hear this: "Yes, I am." And I and and we moved in 2009. We moved down here. But you know what? That same mentality of vision that I'd always grown up with was, you need to be in the ministry. And, and I came down, and that's what everybody thought I was going to be, a pastor. And I came down originally to go to, and, and, and basically, uh, we, you know, I'd been ordained before I ever came down, but Anchor Faith wanted to ordain me, and they ordained me, you know, into the, the church there and the whole bit. And I took on the role of a pastor, and something just didn't fit. And, you know, I just I just could not get the hang of what was going on. And I, I'm, I'm upset. Pastor's upset. We're both upset. We're upset together. And he can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. And then one day, I'm sitting there, and Pastor Mike, our associate, pastor's associate, comes in. And he says, hey, man, listen, look at this tape. Tape. Does anybody around here own a cassette recorder anymore? What do you mean, Tape. And it was, it was old, man. I mean, I found one, a Fisher-Price recorder that the boys had when they were little. And guess what? It still worked. Put batteries in it. And I listened to this. And it was talking about understanding the vision and the provision between a priest and a king. And it mentioned a particular book in there. And I went and I, I ordered the book on Amazon like everybody else. For the first time in my life, I had a clear picture of what I was born for. Because you you go all through the scriptures, and I give you son, if you want to take some notes, that hundreds of years after God told Adam, he said, look at what I've provided for you. Look what I have given you. I have given you all these trees. This is going to be the provision for you. I have taken care of everything that you need. And then when God looked at all the creation, he said he looked at it, and he beheld it, and he saw that it was good. It was all set in a purpose and a plan that he wanted. But you go on down and you think about Noah in Genesis chapter 6, verse 17. It said, Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Down at the uh, the end of that. He said, Behold. In other words, look around. I've got something to show you, Noah. And he told him the same thing. Uh, He told Noah in Genesis 9, 9. He said, Listen, I'm going to establish my covenant. He goes, As for me, behold, I want to establish. I want you to look. Pay attention. I've got something to show you. I'm going to establish my covenant with you. And then in, uh, and in Abraham, think about him. He told him, he gave him a visual. He took him outside and he said, listen, look to the stars. If you can count them, I'll make that the same number as your seed. He told him again, he said, listen, I want to show you something that your descendants will be as the sands of the seashore or the stars of the sky. That God's always had a desire to show us something, to let us see something. But the thing that we have to understand, as I said before, when we talk about the provision of the church, we talk about the vision of the church, and you're going to see different facets of what you're here for. You know, because, see, this is the thing that that we have to understand when it really comes down to it. We are basically writing our resume for eternity. The things that you do here are going to be the things that God is going to allow you to become. Because the Bible tells us in Luke, he said, if you're faithful in the little bitty things, you'll be a ruler over many things. So the things that we do here is really going to let him know what we're going to be able to do in eternity. And sometimes we get all caught up in things that do not matter. And when we, we look at the, the vision of the church, we look at the vision of the things that you know, God has for our individual lives and our part in that is that he's wanting us to pay attention and to invest our whole lives doing it. And so, you know, when I came down and and it wasn't at that, it was finally one day, Pastor and I said, I think I know what I'm I'm here for. And if I'd have put the pieces together sooner in this puzzle, we'd have probably been a little further down the road because we've been in St. Augustine, what, five years now? And the first few years, yeah, I'm fighting for my life. But, you know, that was one of the things that got me through all of that is thinking, why am I here? People have all, often asked me, said, man, I mean, all that you've been through health-wise, you know, you should be dead. And I said, I can't leave. I'm not done. It's kind of like that last day before vacation. <laughs> you know, I told everybody, I said, you know, if we worked as hard that day before vacation... If we'd worked that way all year long, we'd all be wealthy. (laughs) If we worked that hard. And the thing is, is that I said, I can't leave. I'm not dying yet because I'm not done. In fact, after 50 years of living, I'm just getting started. Figured it out. Lord has got me on this planet that I'm not a priest, I'm not of the fivefold ministry. The fivefold ministry is very clear. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse eleven and twelve, verse eleven says that he gave some when he ascended to heaven, he gave some gifts to men. He said he gave some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some teachers, uh, pastors, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, five. I figured that out, and they kept asking me, Are you of the five-fold ministry? Are you the fivefold ministry? No, I'm not. I said, I figured out what my job is is that when it came to, and you go through history, you'll, if you're reading through the Bible with us, you know, because we have programs to do that now, that in the book of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, it lists all the stuff the kings did. Most of the time, you'll find out that the king, kings didn't do real well because it'll say they did evil in the sight of the Lord. But it was interesting to me that the kings that did right in the sight of the Lord they always had a heart for whatever God wanted done. David was the the, the head guy of that. It said he is one after my own heart. And I had a lesson with the ministry that I oversee uh, down in St. Augustine called the Kingdom First Business Alliance. And I said, as kings, that we are to bring the provision to the vision. And that's what most of those kings did. They'd get hooked up with the priest in those days and would say, What's going on? Well, the house of the Lord's not looking too good. He said, okay, so we start raising money so that we can get God's house, the temple, looking good. I mean, just because we made it out of gold don't mean it doesn't have maintenance that needs to be taken care of. Apparently, they had a lot of maintenance they needed to take care of. And one king didn't care about it for dozens and dozens of years and then one had come in and he'd have a heart toward God wanted to take care of the things of God. And I said, I want to be one of those kings. Because, and the thing that we find out about the king is that his heart is to take care of God's people. Do You remember the story of Solomon? The Lord visited him in a dream, in a vision, and said, what do you want? He said, all I'm asking you for is wisdom to be able to help and rule your people. And he said, well, because you've asked for that, and you didn't ask for a long life, and you didn't ask for the lives of your enemies, and you didn't ask for wealth, he said, I'm going to give you all of that, and I'm going to give you more wisdom than any king before you will ha- has had or any king after you will have. And so when we take a look at our lives, what's our part? Because it took me a while to figure out, I'm not in the ministry, and I thought it was real funny to think of, Pastor says, I've got to call you something. He says, we're going to call you reverend. I don't even like reverend. I said, as a matter of fact, reverend's not even in the Bible. And everybody looked at me like, it's not. No, it's not. So I had to pull another reverend aside and say, talk to me about reverend. And he goes, it's not the title, it's the function. Pay attention to your function. So that's why, you know, and it's so funny because I'll go to church. Hey, Pastor Randy. Hey, Reverend Randy. Now, one day I got up and I talked. I said, hey, you know, here's what the kids call me. If you want to call me that, it's great Papa Ranch. Papa Ranch, Papa Ranch. I hear that more than anything because Melanie and I teach the four year olds. And we get about 20 or so of them kids in there, and that's all you hear Papa Ranch, Papa Ranch, Papa Ranch, Papa Ranch. In the hallway, Papa Ranch. And then, of course, we have a preschool, you know, so I'm walking the hall, all the kids know me. Papa Ranch. So Papa Ranch rules <laughs> as title. You understand? I mean, serious. And so, uh, you know, when they when they talk about but finding myself and understanding my part of the vision. And I'll never forget that day I got that text. And Pastor had read the book and listened to that tape. I believe he listened to the tape. But I know he read the book because I handed him my copy of the book, already highlighted and everything. And then he sent me the text. He goes, I am so glad we found out you're a king. And I said, and since that time, I've had nothing on my mind but to serve him and the vision with all the provision God will give me. I don't really have to think about the family, our family. God takes care of us. Because what did he tell us? He said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and my way of doing things, that's a translation, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, if you will seek me first or seek first my kingdom and the way that I do things, all these things that everybody else is seeking after, you're going to have them. And so, you know, the, the main thing, the several things that I changed in my company back in Oklahoma is that uh, I started out at the first of the year with my CFO, the guy that runs the money. And we pray every morning together via Skype. Well, I went back in May. My brother turned 50. He's all excited. Made that drive. Got over there to see him. And I visited with my team. And there were two more members that I wanted in on uh on the prayer time with me. And I had an opportunity to visit with them and talk with them. And and shared with them at lunch. Here's the vision. Here's what I want to do. We're going to start praying. And they had we had it planned out. We're going to pray for leadership on Monday. We're going to pray for the staff on Tuesday. We're going to pray for our customers on Wednesday, our vendors on Thursday, and we're going to pray for our outreaches, the things God has given us to be able to support different ministries, different uh, charities that we have a heart for. We were able to do that. But it took a change in my heart because I said, Lord, there's got to be something more to fulfilling your vision in the earth than me just taking care of myself. Now, here's the thing. Most of you all, you know, you've you've either heard things or you've seen things. There's a lot of different prophetic teachers right now that are teaching we are in the end times. We are in the end of the end times. And, you know, I've heard that ever since 1988. There's a book that came out that said, why Jesus is coming in 1988. 88 has come and gone. And guess what? We're still here. But you know, the thing that I've learned is, again, because he tells us in the Scripture, there'll be signs in the heavens, signs in the earth, to let us know we're getting close. And he said, when you see all these things happening, and I thought it was interesting, because if you caught any of it about the blood moon, the the red moons, there's only been seven other times in history, as I understand it, that there has been blood moons two years back to back, and the interesting thing is that they're all based as far as on the Hebrew calendar. The, the first blood moon we had in April was on Passover. The last blood moon this year, September or October sometime, is going to be on the Feast of Tabernacles. And you have to understand the vision that God gave. He always gave them a vision. He said, listen, there's seven feasts that are going to be holy to me. Three of them, you're going to come to Jerusalem every year and celebrate. Now, basically one of the definitions I heard I thought was intriguing because he called it a holy convocation. means a coming together, but it also meant dress rehearsal. That all these feasts basically were dress rehearsals of something coming in the future. Four of them have taken place. Passover was the lamb slain to forgive sin, to remit sin. Jesus was it. The next one was first fruits, him raising from the dead. The next one was uh, the, the, the Feast of uh, Unleavened Bread. It was in between those two. And then the last one that has been fulfilled was the Day of Pentecost. It was a feast. And 50 days after Jesus had died and rose from the dead, 50 days later, that was a Jewish feast uh, for uh, harvest and different things like that. It just so happens on that Day of Harvest, they had the, the Day of Pentecost that they set aside, that's when the Holy Spirit came down and the church age started and now there's three other feasts that God has given us a vision of, said that hasn't come to pass yet: trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. And the feast of trumpets is the next one. And many, you know, biblical scholars, even from the uh, Hebrew standpoint, have let us know that next feast is the catching away, or the gathering, or the the uh, the uh, gathering, or the rapture, or the catching away of the church. And it's interesting because. That blood moon's coming. Now, this is what Israel hates, those blood moons, because it usually means something bad's getting ready to happen to them. Well, it didn't disappoint this time either. Now they're in a full-blown war with a terrorist group, and you know, and they're wondering, you know, what's next? You know, we've got two more blood moons coming next year and the year, and they're both on feast days. But the thing that they told us, they said, listen, if you really want to know, are we in the last days? Is there a vision that we can see that we're in the last days and where we really need to start checking our own vision as it ties into a church vision? You know, they're telling us that one of the things that we'll see is probably a little more activity with volcanoes in the next 18 months is what they're planning. They said based upon the prophetic scriptures that they're seeing. And I said, okay, we'll be looking for that. But you know what? I'm looking at something else. Because I don't think that Jesus, you know, wants to know how well we know those prophecy maps, you know, and sitting around. I think, I think even God's kind of confused by some of those prophecy maps. He's looking at it. He said, son, I'll send you back as soon as I figure this out. He don't know. But, you know, in the 24th chapter of Matthew, this is what God said he's looking for when he comes back. It isn't whether or not you got the greatest job. It isn't whether or not, you know, you're, you're, you're treating your wife or your children right. But basically he said this. He said, who is the wise and faithful servant that takes care of the other servants by giving their meat in due season? It said, blessed will this servant be when the Lord comes and finds him doing so. So I really believe because you'll see that the Bible is cyclical. All right, you'll see that, and, and God even in Ecclesiastes said, I know and I can tell you the end from the beginning. So if you want to know how the end's going to look, just look at the beginning. Because really all we're in is a spiral effect of what God wanted in the beginning. In the beginning it was perfect. Man was perfect. Everything was perfect. Animals animals weren't killing each other. I mean, people weren't killing each other. You know, that's where we're going back to that's what the new heaven and new earth is going to be about. You know, and I, I take a look at, you know, that's one of the things that has helped me because I knew that the Lord, I, I didn't start out sick. But I know I'm going to end up better than I was when I started out. Just based upon his promises of, you know, always making things better than they were. But when we, we take a look at what our part is in the provision, when pastor gets up here in the next week's, and he begins to you know, cast vision and say, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. We've got to be able to back him and say, okay, this is what we're going to do to help you fulfill that vision. There isn't any vision that I've ever seen any pastor ever had that it didn't take money to do it. And so be ready because I encourage people. This last week we had a great time. Pastor is going to be finding out about it tomorrow, Pastor Earl. And uh, I felt like the Lord wanted us to take care of some things before he got back. He was on vacation And there were some things that I wanted to get done before he got back. And I encouraged the people. I said, everybody that's a vision partner, take an envelope. Don't put nothing in it yet. Okay? Just take an envelope. I want you to pray and ask God next week. And then we're going to take up an offering on the 27th. He'll be back on the 3rd. And I said, I'm expecting great things because there are several things that we've just kind of been dragging. Here's the vision. The vision was for us, we had a couple of buses we needed to paint. And then... You know, bam. I mean, you know, it, it just nothing happened. We're just sitting there, and we had you know two or three hundred, two or three hundred, two or three hundred, two or three hundred, and it ca- it cost thirty five hundred to paint one bus. I and I'm glad I ain't the guy gonna paint it. Can you imagine sanding down and painting a bus, a bus? And so anyway, we found somebody to do It's thirty five hundred a piece. And I told the people, I said, you know, we've been doing this for weeks and months. I said, let's do this. Let's get with God this week and ask Him what our part is in that then everybody bring that offering on Sunday. Not only did we get that first bus completed, we got the other bus done too. We had a bunch of things that we needed to get, you know, taken care of, different bills, different opportunities that we had. We got the money in to do that. And so it was it was one of the biggest weeks financially. Why? Because everybody saw the need and I cast a vision of what we wanted to do and people ran and said, this is the provision we're going to have. To be able to help them do that, so it's important for us to see that we're not just here filling a seat. That you're here for a purpose to help reach this city. Now, I, this is what I got to. You got to understand about you, is that God didn't need another church in Valdosta. I think you all have seen plenty. All right. But when God sets up another church or another vision of what he's wanting to get done, and somebody that will listen to him, and somebody that will do what he asked them to do, you're going to find another church. Because apparently the Lord has visited other types of churches, and they just aren't listening. In other words, the Lord says, Behold. And nobody's beholden. So I believe that you're here. And again, you have a message, and this is the interesting thing you have a message that people need to understand. We are not going into eternity to be part of another democracy. Okay? Now, we all love democracy. I know we've got people in here that serve our military, in, in which I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I am extremely grateful for that. But the thing we got to understand is that we are going to another type of government. It's a kingdom. We don't understand that because we don't live in one. I mean, you know, we're supposed to make all the rules, And then, you know, you have presidents in the past and even currently that they'll sign whatever they want into law. And so, you know, the thing is, is that that's okay if the guys and the gals are righteous. But we've seen that there is a few of them that just aren't quite where the Lord would probably want them to be. And so we're looking at a new, a New kingdom. we teach that here at this church in St. Augustine. That's one of the things that the Lord has instructed us, listen, we want to prepare people for the kingdom that's coming. You're gonna get that here. I don't know you're gonna get it anywhere else. I haven't visited anywhere else, but I know you could get it here. And so when you're sharing with people and you're talking with people, and my little friend down there in the security, you know, area, I'm just I'm just baiting him. Right now, I'm just baiting him and then I know how to fish. I know how to fish. I don't like just going throwing a hook and call that that ain't fishing. That's wasting time i got something else to do if that's all we're going to do. So, and, they, and you done told me that they're, and they, and they got, you know, fish finders now, right? I'm using that because I haven't been able to see underwater. But if somebody tells me they're fished out, I'm going to get them fish. And I'm going to figure out what it's going to take to get them. I'm loaded. I'm ready. That's the same thing. You're going to build the church one person at a time that you come in contact with. But you have got to be sensitive What's going on in their lives? You know, I love I love Joseph, the story of Joseph. You remember he got put in prison, falsely, and and one day he's walking through and they gave him charge. He took charge, man, and he sees these two guys in there and he was sensitive enough to know that they were troubled about something, and he began a conversation. What happened? Well, you know, I got thrown in prison here and I'm the I'm the head butler, you know, I'm the head baker, and we had these dreams, man. We're goofed up. We don't even know what we're we we do not even know what they mean, and he took the time to tell them what they meant. Sometimes we just got to slow down in this rat race we're living in. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. I heard a guy say that one time. You know, Get out of the rat race. He said, start looking around. Because what is God looking for when he comes back? He's looking that we're taking care of each other. He's looking that we're, we're, we're curious about so-and-so's need. We're curious about how they're doing. I mean, we're, all it is is his ministry, and that we're doing the same thing. We're just an outreach of that ministry. That when Pastor, you know, uh, Mark gets back and he starts, you know, laying out some things that we're going to do and different, different ones, everybody's got a place. Everybody has a fit. That's why they call us the body. And, you know, when the body's working together and be, and healthy, you get more done. I, I figured that out. I can get more done when I'm healthy. And, when I'm, I, and you know, and all my, all my members are working together. We get that done. So that's the importance of understanding the vision part, that the pastors that we've been given, they'll give us the vision. I didn't get a vision for St. Augustine. I sure don't have one for Valdosta, okay? But I know this, that I can jump in there and help bring the provision to see that happen, all right? Now, I want to encourage you as far as with one question as we're wrapping up this morning. I just want to know this. What has God shown you lately? What's he been trying to show you? Has he been trying to show you anything? He's just say, behold, take a look at this. Hey, behold, I need you to change this in your life. Hey, I need you to be a little more committed here. I need you to be, a, you know, thinking outside the box to help me here. You know, in 1979, that is when I decided to become a student of the Word, not just a casual reader. I didn't want to just come to church and have somebody, th- we didn't have none of this nice stuff. when I was, you, know, you brought your Bible and turned in it, okay? that's That's what you did. And, and uh, I, I, I decided I'm going to get to know God. If God can be known, I'm going to get to know him myself. And I began to expose myself to the Word of God, reading and studying, not just reading it, you know, because we've got Bible reading programs, but I want to know what did you say and why did you say that and how can it affect me where I'm living. I know without a doubt that I'm here today because of all the Scripture and understanding what health is about. I got the vision. All right? I saw what I was supposed to be like. So when every time the doctor said, this is what's going on, and my wife tells me that wasn't a good report. No, it wasn't. But guess what? We're coming back until their report lines up with mine. And I proved every one of them so far, I'm batting a 1,000. Because every time they said, this is what's going to happen to you forever, I come in there, and something different changes, and they go, we don't believe it. I said, well, believe it. You're looking at it right here. <laughs> Lord's going to, you know, I had my kidneys fail. Both kidneys fail. And, uh, you know, I had a vision of, of the fact that I'm supposed to have healthy kidneys. And I kept telling them, I'm going through dialysis three days a week, four hours a day, an hour there, hour back. Talk about time. I did it for 40 weeks, almost a whole year. And I kept telling them the whole time. I said, listen, one thing you don't know about me, but I know the manufacturer of the kidney." He's close to me. If I need one, I'll get one. Well, sir, you know, you're not eligible to have a transplant. I'm not talking about a transplant. (laughs) I said, if if he manufactured it, surely he's got parts. That's as simple as I can explain my relationship with the Lord, is that he is the manufacturer. When I talk to people about, you know, they say, I got this, I got this, I got this. I said, yeah, and he's got this, and he's got this, and he's got this. He created the human body. And I told one, one set of doctors one time, I said, if any of you all were around when the first kidney was made, I'd listen to you. <laughs> I said, you guys are great service providers. This is, this is like Dodge and Ford and Chevy right here. But I said, you know, you didn't make it. And so that 40th week, you know, I, I went in. I knew something was done, different. I knew something was different. And I asked the doctor, I said, have you been keeping up with my labs? He goes, No, what's going on? And I said, well, I said, you know, some numbers look a little bit different to me. And he goes, really? He said, well, have you, you know, turned in one of your tests? And I said, yeah. He said, we'll see. Next day he called me and said, we're going to take you off dialysis, but we're going to watch you. I said, you can watch me, (laughs) but you're going to be watching me long distance. And that was the first week of December last year. They still don't believe it. I got nurses that took care of me in that unit that I see from time to time. They go, where have you been? I said, what did I tell you? And they go, and I mean two of them just freaked out. They said, the very first time I met you, you told me God was going to heal your kidneys. I said, yeah, and he did. You know, same thing. I mean, I get done. I'm celebrating, right? Next thing you know, I'm having heart attacks and didn't even know it. I thought it was indigestion. I told Melly I said, give me a couple of Tums, man. I was got something, you know. <laughs> and I mean, and three or four or five nights in a row, man, I'm, you know, I'm hurting. And, and I took you know, I took them Tums, and I felt better. And uh, I went in, and I had a uh, urinary tract infection, and, and I said, hey, I just need you to check this out. Give me the antibiotics. I know the drill. Let's go. Well, we want to keep you because that just doesn't sound like you know, acid reflux to us. I said, well, you give me a couple of Tums. And I'll prove it. You know, the whole time I know what the vision is. The vision is for me to be healthy and get some stuff done. I can't be, you know, making trips to the hospital every other week. And uh, sure enough, they kept me in that hospital that night, and I had another one. Mr. Clay, that's a heart attack. Give me a couple of tons. <laughs> you know? They did a heart cath the next day, and they found out that two two arteries were completely blocked. Two were getting ready to get completely blocked. They needed to do a four, you know, quadruple bypass, but they could only do two. I said, "God's going to take care of this, whether I get none." I said, "I know the manufacturer of the heart, you know." And they, you know, I mean, seven days later, I'm having open heart surgery, and and uh, you know, I'm thinking, Lord, what in the world? And see, and and, and you know, the whole point was, I don't want to get up and tell people this about what I've been through. I just want to get up and tell them what you do. I mean, you had a vision for me. Therefore, I can't die until I get that vision done. And I've had plenty of opportunities in the last four years to kick it. I'm not kidding. And some of the time, you know, and and I'm not saying that it all went through without pain. I had my share, and some other people's too. But I'm telling you, I had that vision. I said, I'm not supposed to leave. I know what I'm here for now. I know what the Lord needs me to do. And he, he needs me to help the church with the finance, help the church figure out budgeting, help the church figure out all that stuff that he sent me down here for in the first place. In other words, bring the provision to the vision. That's what we got to do. So, you know, that's what I ask you. What's the Lord been trying to show you? You know, that if you're not in the fivefold ministry, if you're not called to the fivefold ministry, then I believe this, that he has brought you here to help bring a provision of whatever gift, whatever talent you have, to see this vision come to pass. Can you agree with me on that? Will you seek the Lord about that and find out what is it that you would have me to do? That's all you got to know. Lord, well, what do you need me to do? And you know, and I, 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 I encourage people. I said, listen, you, you'll not find the happiness, you'll not find the happiness uh, uh, that you're looking for until you finally get hooked up. With what God has for you, and you need to seek Him until you find that. You know, because it's more than just going to church. It's more than just feeling good on Monday morning because you did your your service. So every every head bowed. I like to do this as far as I don't I don't I don't enjoy embarrassing anyone. Sometimes I get real bold and say everybody, you know, heads up, eyes wide open. But you know, if there's anybody here this morning, and I never take it for granted that everybody's right with the Lord, never, because things happen in the week. Things go on in the week. And, uh, you know, people have an opportunity to slip and fall. But let me tell you this. The Lord said that the righteous person will, not, you know, they can fall seven times, but every time they get up. We're not known as the fall down people. We're known as let's get on up people. And so, you know, if there's, if there's anyone here today that, you know, they, they, uh, uh, you don't know the Lord, I, and most everybody is familiar to me. There's maybe a few new faces since I've been here last. And um, uh, you may not know the Lord. I want to I pray with you today. Um, I want you to get to know him. I want you to know the one that created you. I want you to find out today what his plan was and what he can do, you know, to help you get the vision that he has for you accomplished. Is there anybody that would say that? Just raise your hand. Let me see you. Everybody's good there. Anybody that, you know, has struggled this week, uh, you know, as far as uh, we, we usually call that, you know, we need to get some things straight with the Lord. Maybe we haven't been acting the way we know we should have. Maybe we've been a little short with the kids or with the wife or the people at work. You know, if you need to get that straightened out, let's get that done today. You know, let's start walking and talking like the children of the king. Let's start acting like children of the king. Amen. Anybody at all? I'll pray with you on that. Okay, bro, i pray with you. All right, that's great. All right, I tell you what, um, Pastor Caleb, I am wrapping that up. Let me go pray with uh, my brother here.
1: Father, continue to pray, and let's go ahead and just pray over the rest of our service here. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we got to come and hear your word and have life poured into us, Father, that, Lord, we don't take this time for granted, but, Lord, that we honor this time that you've given us, Father, that we can come together as a corporate body, Father, that we are here in this earth for a purpose and for a vision, Father, and that we want to find out what is your vision for us, not only just for this church, but, Father, we want to find out what is the purpose for this Our families. What is the purpose for our marriage? What is the purpose for me as an individual, Father? We want to find out what You've designed us for, so that way we can better benefit not only You, but Father. We can benefit humanity. That Lord, we want to have, we want to leave a mark on this earth that says that we were here. We want to be those people of integrity and of honor that they will leave a legacy behind. And Father, that the greatest legacy we could ever leave is for Your Word to remain in this earth, Father. That You said that your word will never fail, that your word will go out and accomplish everything that it was sent to do. And, Father, we honor that. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust in that and we can stand on that promise, Father. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, while he's continuing praying with them, we're going to go ahead and we're going to continue worshiping God with our giving this morning. So if you came ready to give, we got our ushers who are ready to pass out an envelope. So if you